here is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. 15 minutes of crypto failure. My name's Charles Story. I'll be your host the next 15 minutes. We're coming live from the city of London, Shoreditch. So let's get down to business. Today's show is kind of a slightly different format. We have James, who's the CEO of Media Protocol on the show today. Media Protocol redistributes power from existing media owners, third-party intermediaries that disappropriately benefit from the exchange of content and centralized distribution platforms. To media creators, to publishers, and consumers, Media Protocol provides the data publishers need, the reward creators deserve, the relevance consumers desire. So let's jump into the interview. So on today's show, we have James Tabor, the CEO of Media Protocol. James, how's it going? It's going very well, Charles. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And whereabouts are you in the world at the minute, James? So I'm talking to you today. Uh, Thanks to the joys of Skype from uh, Macau. I'd love to say sunny Macau, but it being Asia in the afternoon, it's actually just really cloudy and really humid. <laughs> so it's nice to nice to be inside. Great. Glad to hear it. Well, listen, James, I know you're a busy, busy man and I know you're pressed for time. So let's just get straight into it. Would you be so kind to give us a high level overview of Media Protocol? Sure. So Media Protocol is a way of tracking or bringing clarity to the flow of data around pieces of content and then attributing value to it. So uh, it would be great if there existed a decentralized network that allowed people to create content or share content uh, and promote products or um, you know, articles, videos, pieces of audio, uh, and then be acknowledged for their role in yeah. in that network. Well, that network actually exists, Charles. It's called the internet, but the, uh, the internet's been broken by what we call audience aggregation or, or data centralization platforms. And so if we think about how the internet is built, uh, HTTP or HTTPS allows you to define the flow of data between devices uh, across the internet uh, using URLs as the endpoint. And so what we do with Media Protocol is that we use blockchain technology to uh, understand how people or devices interact with those URLs and then distribute value accordingly. Got it. And with that, where did the original idea come from for this, James? I mean, what was the original inspiration? Well, the original inspiration is uh, the team and myself, we've been in this, in and around this industry for the last you know, probably 10 years, either working together or building other technology platforms around advertising and media. Right. And actually, Tom Graham is one of our co-founders. We were, we'd, be, we'd all been doing um, big data before. It was actually called big data. I had a big data business in 2011. Uh, AI before it was um, you were, before you were allowed to call it AI, and certainly before AI became a shorthand for bad big data project. And we were we, when we read the Ethereum protocol in like 2015, 2016. For us, it was like a light bulb going off because it was a way of you know finally solving that missing piece of the puzzle, which is how do you get people to do what they say they're going to do? And then Tom was kicking some ideas around and literally said. Surely someone's done something around the URL because you know that's basically the level you ought to go to to be able to have an influence. And pretty intensive, quick Google search about a year ago revealed that no, no one had actually done anything around the URL. What people had done was to try and build uh, new applications or new infrastructure we want to send people. And so Media Protocol was kind of born out of that. Like many really good ideas, there's a beautifully elegant simplicity to it. Uh, but like many really brilliant ideas it takes quite a lot of building to get it um to work around it as well 
Sure. And um, with that, how disruptive is Media Protocol's vision? Uh, on the scale of one to quite a lot, um, it's is quite disruptive. <laughs> on a on the, very disruptive, but on the scale, actually trying to bring what brands and advertisers, agencies, and actually many actors in and around the content marketing advertising space say they want to be doing, I would say it actually brings towards the market what it's hoping to achieve. But yeah, it's it's pretty out there. It's quite good fun when we go and speak to people in the industry. So our advisory board is packed with a lot of industry heavy hitters. Yeah. I mean, you've got one of the head guys at Vice on there, right? So we've got, we got Mark Adams. He's the SVP of, um, or you know, CIO of Vice Media. You've got Dom Delport, who's the former managing director of Havas Media, who, which is one of the biggest uh, agency networks out there. Actually, we're very pleased to announce, this will be the first time it's been mentioned to anybody. Uh, um, picture and bio is not enough on the website yet, but the uh, CMO of GoDaddy, uh, Kate Cox, who also has quite a long, big agency background as well, who's just signed on as an advisor. Wow, So when we go and speak... Oh, thank you very much. We're chuffed to bits. Uh, when we go and speak to people of this caliber, they kind of get, I call it the hungry toddler look. You know, when you've got like a little kid and they haven't eaten for quite a while and they, they've kind of got outside of that shouty, screamy, low blood sugar phase <laughs> just into the really wide-eyed, kind of completely mute, walking around kind of phase. And so this is what kind of happens. You kind of explain what you think, you know, what you're trying to do. And there's a fair bit of, well, obviously that would be amazing, but you know, that's never going to happen. And then you explain to them the way that you've approached it or what you've been trying to do. And they literally get the hungry toddler eyes and they will go a little bit quiet. And then they come back about a couple of weeks later. And this is the best thing we've heard for a long time. And I'm super excited to get involved, super excited to join. And in fact, when we were just uh, you know, having a chat before we got going on this, I mentioned to you that I'm in Macau. Uh, yep. On my way, I've taken a circuitous route because SVK listeners, uh, the media protocol officers are just around the corner from SVKs. Uh, we meet up <laughs> Every now and then in the Hoxton, and my plan had been to take in donuts this, uh, for this call today. But uh, I then got I went on a flight to New York last week because what Media Protocol is part of is we're a founding members of something called the Digital Future Council. And the D DFC, as it's affectionately called, is a not-for-profit industry body that brings together uh, top technologists, uh, top brands, and um, agency people uh, into a place where they can just sort of talk and kick ideas around to hopefully start fostering some experimentation. Now, the theme for the first year of the DSC is blockchain. But as it moves forward, it's going to be hopefully, obviously, blockchain will always have a part to play in this. But we're very much about embracing or bringing together people who very rarely get into rooms together. Yeah. So I've been doing ad tech for like a decade. And I can count the fingers of two hands. I come from an, an advertising background before I left and started trying to build technology to uh, bring some change but I can count the fingers of like both hands the, the serious like hardcore technologists you've ever sat down with a CMO or someone from an agency and gone so why is brand important how does this work a lot of them just kind of sit in a corner and code away trying to make you open up one percent more emails but then on the other on, on the fingers of one hand I can count people from um, agencies or brands or you know, marketeers who've ever sat down with a technologist and really understood how they see the world so DFC was born out of that. So we, we flew to New York on Wednesday. We had that breakfast on Friday. And then I lost my weekend to like looping around the other side of the international dateline to, to come to Macau where we are right now. <laughs> That's good to hear. Um, just a quick one. Um, how do you intend on build, building Media Protocol's ecosystem? Because the way I see it, this is the key to the success of Media Protocol. 
well, the key to, massive key to success, success of Media Protocol. So one of the things that differentiates us, and one of the reasons that we occupy the protocol level, is when we initially were writing um, and creating the, uh, the prototypes, there was quite a lot of hard coding in there about how we wanted to see people doing certain things. And we were having a discussion one day, as you do, about adversarial systems, which uh, an AI approach, and how they're actually better than often um, self-reinforcement systems because you can code a load of bias into a self-reinforcement system. And we suddenly realized that what we're inadvertently going to do with Media Protocol, as it was initially written, was create a whole new biased approach. So we ripped out all the hard coding and basically saying to people, do with this what you will. Now that, we hope, is going to drive quite a lot of uh, adoption. Now, I've mentioned Kate Cox already and Dom and the guys at Vice who are super excited. There were lots of people at the DFC who were um, going to be engaging in conversations with as well. And we're super chuffed to be part of that um, alongside Kodak and TLDR. Uh, but yeah, we've got to drive some massive amounts of adoption. And it's one of the reasons we haven't gone out and created you know, a set of applications or a set of like infrastructure that you have to use. This is... Um, there is a way of using Media Protocol through us, but there's a way that you, Charles, or you and Shane could go and set up a, uh, an agency or a consultancy that built te- technology or software that helped Media Protocol run for people. Yeah. So the way that we like to think about it, if I had to get my mum to can't delete one of her news apps or one of her browsers and download a new one to get something called blockchain, she really wouldn't be very interested. And especially, could you imagine, she said, oh, now to log in, Jane, please write down your 19-character alphanumeric private. Oh, she's gone away. She's not going to be doing that anymore. The way that we see it is that with HTML5, you never have to download a new browser to use it. It happened to you. So if we create, by creating media protocol as something that can be integrated and selected, much like a developer would choose to use HTML5 or PHP, then that means it becomes easier to integrate and therefore easier for people to begin to experience. So we were trying to really try and address two or three different challenges there, and one of which is definitely mass adoption. So that comes to the other way that we've built it. So Media Protocol is actually good to go. Uh, we did something uh, that we've been doing for a long time when we've been building technology, is we like to build things first before we take it out to the market. Now, that doesn't mean that we've got all the answers nailed down. This is, after all, a protocol. We want people to experiment with it. But that also is why we believe it can help drive adoption quickly. It's in a phase where brands should be ready to experiment with it quite quickly. Now, there's always a challenge that a lot of brands will want to build their own blockchains. A lot of brands or, or advertisers or whoever are going to go, actually, no, no, we'd like to have a, we'd like to have a go at this. We'd like to give it a bash. And that's also where coming in from the protocol level is we actually say, you know what, do have a bash, have at it. Here's here's this protocol. It's much like the HTTP or PHP. Here's a set of um, best practices of how to implement it. And that means if people really want to build their own stuff, they can just get cracking with it, which, again, we hope to see that reduce the barrier to entry. Yeah, absolutely. And James, how has the crypto community responded to the project thus far? The crypto community responded in quite a number of, well, largely very positive ways. Now, the one of the larger challenges that we do face is that the crypto community, by and large, does not come from a marketing background or an advertising background. What's actually quite interesting is that everyone who kind of sits in your position, Charles, who sits on the media side, uh, tends to really love it. And when we have good conversations with um, journalists and the such, uh, there tend to be two questions. The first one is, you know, what is it, what does it do? And the second one then tends to be, okay, so how do we start using this uh, at our publication? How do we start using it? How do I get my 
my team to start using this, which is quite nice. Which has flipped on its head quite nicely. Absolutely. And James, where do you see Media, Media Protocol in a year's time from now? I know it's a big question, but I know a lot's going on at the minute with you guys. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts. I mean, realistically, in a year's time, I'd like to have five to ten large brands and publishers using us. Now, that doesn't sound like a huge amount, but we come from, we're a pragmatic team. Uh, we've built technology in the past and we've also been selling to the enterprise. And this is very much an enterprise adoption challenge. And five to, t- five to ten significantly large brands and publishers using this would give us uh, a wider spread adoption in what I would expect to be the tens of millions when it comes down to thinking of it from an end user point of view. Now, in a kind of two to three year point uh, time period, I'd like to see kind of like my mum saying to me, oh, I've just been able to pay for my Daily Telegraph subscription using MPT. Uh, isn't that quite a bit like the thing that you're working on, James? I mean, it's actually, that is the thing that we've been working on. We've kind of, uh, it's, it's now really becoming a thing where the economy is built out and fleshed out around it. Right. Because that's, that's one of the other challenges. We can get people implementing the technology. And a lot of the idea behind this is, right, if I... If you take this, um, when, when this podcast is published, you might go and buy some promoted space on Twitter or Facebook or one of the crypto networks. And on that space, you put a URL. And what you then do is you buy the audience off, off this network, off this audience aggregator, and they claim that access to them. Now, the thing is, Charles, if I find the link to say this podcast, uh, I'm not actually going to keep it on that network. I'm not going to amplify it on Facebook or Twitter necessarily. I'm probably going to WhatsApp it to couple of people in a couple of my groups it might go on a bit as a week putting a link to it on a banner that we take to a conference but the problem is that if we kind of keep that where it is on a uh, on, by just paying straight to that network we never actually understand how it interacts with uh, people who actually amplify it. the community actually drives engagement Absolutely. so what would happen with media protocol is uh, i would actually get let's say that we put some mpt against it uh, I'd get some value for that. I would then share it to you, for example. You'd click on it, you'd download it, you'd then share it again. And depending upon how the owner of that link had parameterized how it would work, we'd see flows. We're not talking you know, lots and lots and lots of money. But this comes down to another side point for Media Protocol. This is a very, very disruptive play if we think about bringing transparency to the industry. But it's not disruptive in the way that many people would like to think that, oh, you'll be able to make a living by sharing links. Well... <laughs> no, you won't be able to because if you're going to be able to do that, you'll be in a network on your, your own right or you would actually have be someone of significant major influence. We're, this is all about sort of removing friction for the 25% of people uh, at consumer level who amplify content. Right. So let's think of it this way. Uh, this is not like there are some projects out there which believe that you have to pay for people's attention. If I have to pay you a dollar to listen to this podcast or to share a link, your attention actually isn't worth anything because if you need the dollar more than, you actually end up needing the dollar more than I need you to listen to what I've got to say or read what we're interested in, um, what we're interested in sharing. And the law of small values for us means that the people who are actually important, the people in the network and the node who like get, who bring the most value to pieces of content, they don't need or want money. But what they don't like is friction. So what we what we see MPT have, what we see happening with MPT at a consumer level, is if I get some tokens that, that say I've accumulated because I read Adweek all the time, and let's say that you read the FT. Now, 
Uh, let's imagine you know, you're going to share an article with me from the FT about you know, crypto regulation in Southeast Asia. It's quite feasible they'd write about that. It's quite feasible yeah. I'd be interested in it. quite feasible we'd be talking about it down the pub one week. <laughs> problem is, when you, when you text it to me and I click on the link, I then get asked for my email address, my credit card details, and a pound. And yeah. What I do is I text back to you and I say, hey, Charles, thanks for the link, mate. Really good conversation last night. But can you do one of the first two, three things? One, either copy and paste or send me a screen grab of this. And then three, stop sending me paywalls. Because what's actually happened there is the FT's got in the way of what is a really good and great and high value conversation. You've asked me to invest some of my time into looking at uh, a piece of content from their site. You're already paying them. If you're a believer and you're a subscriber, you're already paying them, they've got a huge amount of data on you. They should be able to go, actually, Charles is a high value person to us. And actually, as a result, we expect James could be a high value person. And actually, James has got some of these this MPT tokens that we use as well. He's accumulated them elsewhere. We don't know he's James, actually he's a hashed ID. Uh, we can say, okay, instead of his email address, and a pound, and uh, his credit card details, we can just have five MPT. And actually what they could do is make sure that Charles gets some MPT as a thank you for bringing this new person into the ecosystem. And if it turns out that James, well, I work in advertising, so I'm not gonna share any like articles about Chinese iron ore production, and those probably aren't promoted anyway, it's highly likely that I could go into some of the beautiful stuff they have in How to Spend It and start firing that off to my mates, going, hey, check out these trainers, guys, or check out this you know, crazy watch. And I could have an accurative relationship that means I never realize that the FD has a paywall. Wow. <laughs> or I could take that MPT that we've been like assigned there and I could take it and give it to someone on Vimeo or YouTube who, I don't know, does crazy videos about unboxing um, Lego Ninjagos because my nephew happens to love watching videos about unboxing Lego Ninjagos when he's not just like throwing his Lego Ninjagos all over the place. <laughs> start redistributing value because we, I strongly believe that content creators and brands and advertisers and consumers have good relationships. When we see things that we like, I have fabulous relationships with you know, like Apple, Adidas, Levi's, uh, I'm going through the stuff I can see in front of me, um, Bell stuff. We love, we love getting advertised too. We don't, we hate being like um, spammed and sold to, but as a result of this asymmetry that exists with the industry as it sits at the moment, we end up with all these super talented people basically being just asked to pester us. Whereas if people create rich, meaningful content uh, whether or not they're being paid to promote something we can actually say we can recognize them and acknowledge it and it allows us to redistribute some of that value absolutely and this is one of the i i think one of the um the main things that you guys really bring to the table that's very new in the crypto space but james listen i know we can talk all day i just want to wrap this up thank you so much for coming on the show i look forward to it thank you so much for your time I want to say a big thank you to James for making it on the show today. We really appreciate it. And I want to say a big thank you to you, the listener. We really appreciate your attention and everything you've done for the SVK Crypto 15 Minutes of Crypto Fan podcast. So keep doing what you're doing. And remember to share the crypto love. Follow us on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto. Join us on Telegram, SVK space crowd. And also email myself with any questions or queries regarding the podcast or anything we do at SVK. So my email is cstory at svkcrypto.com, C-S-T-O-R-R-Y at svkcrypto.com. Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for listening. That's a wrap. You've been listening to an SVK Crypto Podcast original. 
Follow us on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto. Email us on CSTory at SVKcrypto.com. Leave us a message on our website, www.svkcrypto.com. 